Hey friends, before we get started today, I wanted to let you know about a special opportunity we have running over at Fizzle right now. If you sign up for membership by September 23rd, we're running a special annual discount that will save you money on everything you need to start and grow a meaningful, sustainable small business. This discount offer includes a full year of Fizzle membership and a bunch of special bonuses like a website evaluation from the Fizzle team, a full year of premium WordPress hosting from Flywheel, and a brand new course on affiliate marketing with Matt Giovannisi. There's a bunch more included, so if you've been considering Fizzle membership or if you're looking for a reason to jump back in, head over to fizzle.co and get the full scoop. This offer will be live until Monday, September 23rd, 2019, and we hope to see you inside. Hey there, welcome to The Fizzle Show. I'm Corbett Barr, and this is our podcast about building meaningful, sustainable small businesses and earning a living independently doing something you really care about. This is a special Friday member-focused episode. Every Friday, we publish a new episode featuring questions from Fizzle members, along with occasional success stories and live coaching. This is being recorded live with Fizzle members in our online audience. If you'd like to join us and get your question featured on an upcoming podcast episode, head over to fizzle.co and start a free 14-day trial of Fizzle membership. Today, I'm joined by the full Fizzle team, including Jen Rayow. Hey, Jen. Hey, guys. What's up? Hey, and also Joe Kearns. Hey, Joe. Hey there. We are also joined by Brendan Hufford today, who you heard from during last Friday's episode, where we asked him about his background and success in SEO. So today, Brendan is going to stick around and help us with Q&A about SEO and everything in between. So Jen, uh, we'll get to questions from the audience. I'm going to kick things off with a question I have directly for Brennan about SEO, if that's okay. Brennan, um, when we were asking you about your story, you mentioned that people approach SEO differently. Some people, like our friend Matt Giovannisi, doesn't really worry much about link building. You, on the other hand, still believe that link building is important. Can you explain for those of us who are just trying to get a little bit more traffic from the search engines... Can you explain to us what link building is and why it's still relevant today? Yeah. Um, so I think if I can if I can tease Matt a little bit publicly, uh, anybody with an Ahrefs subscription or any sort of SEO tool subscription could look this up for themselves. Um, but like Matt, like you said, Matt's not really big on link building, but he is big on the core fundamentals, right? Really good content super fast websites. Matt's like design work is super clean and good. Like everything on the website makes it a really amazing experience. The content is wonderful. That's where Matt's skill set is. And that is the foundation of everything. The cool thing with link building, and we'll talk about like the what and the why in a second. The cool thing with link building is once you have that foundation built, it helps it kind of, it's like pouring gasoline on the fire. Um, I asked if I could tease Matt a little bit because he not that long ago sold roasty coffee. And whoever bought it saw a big SEO opportunity. And if you look, they built a bunch of links to that website. And Matt already had tons of traction. But if you look, like it took off after mm -hmm. they started building links to it. So I think like I want to make sure we get grounded in the fundamentals of it. But um, what link building is, is Google still sees the one of the primary metrics of authority uh, for your website as hey, who are the other people that link to this website? And what I mean by link is like the, literally the hyperlinks, the, the words or images or buttons you click on a website that take you to another website. 
Google crawls those and says, all right, these are votes. These are, are popularity votes. You're going to be the uh, prom king or queen or whatever, the homecoming queen. And they get the most votes, they win. Um, so getting these links from other websites is really valuable. Google always says, like, don't build links. Just, when, just do good work and people will link to you. You kind of got to market your stuff. If you have really good content, we'll talk about content in a second maybe, but uh, it's still relevant because I have yet to find any other metric as a like, bot, like base metric that shows authority better than that. Um, once you're already ranking really well, Google looks at things like time on site and click-through rate. Like if you're on the first page for something uh, and you're getting way more clicks than somebody else, Google's going to increase your rank like crazy. That click-through rate really matters once you're ranking well. But links are definitely the way to get there. The way most people do link building is with outreach. Just saying like, hey, you have a website, I have a website, will you link to me? I'm sure, you know, Corbett, you guys are inundated with those horrible emails yeah. that are like, hello, you wrote a thing and I've also written a thing. Will you please link to it? And you're like, what, what, why? Jen, how many of those do we see every day? <laughs> um, three to four a day, at least. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And this the, is why yeah. I got to get the message out because we can do better. Yeah. I, I really like when they don't populate the, <laughs> yeah. the piece that says like dear first name yeah. or like <laughs> I got one today that said dear fizzle group. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> we've never called new ourselves one. that. That's something new. Yeah. yeah. So it's so good. Or like they'll be like, you. You wrote an article URL and you're like, yeah, I was reading online about such and such. And I stumbled on your website. Oh my God. I was Googling around and I stumbled. I mean, look like with the best of intention, a couple of thought leaders in the space, like Neil Patel, Brian Dean with the best of intentions, they were like, use these outreach templates. They work. They don't. They're awful. Mm. Uh, I, I know I tried. I, when I was getting started, I sent out, 200 i followed those templates exactly sent out 200 cold emails i got three links on crappy websites and then within six months those websites either didn't exist or had taken the links down and i was just like looking at them here like can you imagine if i got a client that needed a hundred links and i have to multiply that effort it took yeah. by 33 i'm gonna send this in six and are you gonna emails. put your real name on those <laughs> emails it's a and what ask. damage does that do to your reputation right yeah, I couldn't, so I couldn't do that anymore. Um, the way I do it now differently is I follow a very, uh, there's a book called Ultimate Sales Machine. This guy, Chet Holmes, talks about this thing called the Dream 100 of like, you really don't need to reach out to everybody, but just out, like, figure out who your Dream 100 partners, in my case, like websites to get links from, really friends, like pull your, find who your Dream 100, like internet friends are kind of in your industry, but also in like shoulder industries side by side. For me in SEO, it would be, you know, online business, online marketing, uh, social media, shoulder industries, figure out these Dream 100. And then just, I know this sounds silly and it's not super tactical, but like make friends with them, send the email to them you would like to receive and like, oh, it'll take longer. But you know, I, the example I always give is, um, Pat Flynn has linked to Chris Ducker's website at least 125 times. You don't get 125 links from Pat Flynn unless you're his best friend. Like, it's just, it, the relationship matters. They'll promote your stuff. They'll share you on their email list. When you, when you start with the ask of like, hey, can I get a link? It works sometimes. But like anybody who says yes, like, did you, 
you know, you're, it's just like dating. Like you, you know, you go for the big ask right away and they say yes. And it's like, that was easy and weird. And now I, I don't, yeah, something's wrong here. So I, uh, you know, like you can't ask somebody to marry you on the first date and they say yes. And you're like, this is, that's not right. Yeah, no. And Brandon, this goes back way back to the beginning of this episode where you were talking about how you got started in SEO. And the question you asked was, how can I help? And so, you know, sending out 200 templates, um, you know, copy and paste, it was really out of alignment with actually helping people where everyone can hear in your story, you're so much more about relationship building and actually providing value and like, being a good person while you do this. It's very inspiring. I'll take, I'll take the compliment. I don't want to, I don't want to tell everybody yeah. I'm a good person all the time. I think we're, I'm a, I'm a highly flawed individual, <laughs> but I try. Any <laughs> and I'll, I'll just add, you know, one of the, for me, the hands down, the best way to meet people and make friends online has always started with conferences going, yep. meeting people in person, you know, maybe, you know, people a little bit already from online, but there are certain conferences you can go to, whatever your industry is. If it happens to be online business like ours, you go to a conference like uh, the World Domination Summit, or there used to be uh, these like blogging focused conferences, New Media Expo, it was called. Um, Convert Kid has a conference and mm-hmm. email marketing. Whatever those are, you attend something like that. And it's like, oh my God, there's Brennan Hufford in real life, or there's Joe Kearns, or you know, there's Jen Rayow or whatever. There are these people that maybe you've gotten to know online, and then you see them in person. And it's such a natural transition to, hey, I've followed you for a long time, or we've emailed about X, Y, and Z to you're having beers with someone. You, you know, strike up this genuine friendship that follows you. And then next thing you know, you're collaborating on a project. You know, you're linking to something they did. They're linking to something you did. And you're not thinking about it in terms of I'm trying to get links or whatever. You're just making friends. And then it's mutually beneficial for you to refer to your friends. Like you said, it, it, it's a natural thing. If you're writing a blog post, you want to cite other people and what they think about this thing. So you may as well cite your friends and link to those people. So that's a great way to go. Um, I totally if you agree. Don't mind, I, I, I really do agree. That's one of I, I had a, I met some guy at uh Flynn at Pat Flynn's first conference and I had, you know, I'd seen him around and I was like, Oh, I don't know about your brand. And it just seemed kind of weird. And I like learned his story and he's this amazing designer. He's like one of the first designers at Fiverr and he has all this like cool entrepreneurial stuff he's done. And I'm like, okay, not only was I wrong, uh, about you, but I like, will you help coach me? Cause I'm clearly like the, uh, the Padawan here. So yeah, I totally agree. We have a, a follow-up question from Leanne Walker, a Fizzle member in the audience today. She wants to know about internal link building. Are those important as well? Yeah, that's one. I mean, so the, the, the things I do first, uh, when I, you, whenever I get like a new client or a new opportunity, I look at two things. Um, number one, do they have a bunch of broken links? on their website, meaning like they have links coming in from other websites, but they're pointing to places that don't exist anymore. Could we fix those? That's like the easiest win. Second to that is how's their internal linking? They say they want this one blog post to rank, but they've only, they don't link to it from the homepage, right? The homepage is where it's going to like, that's the most authoritative page on most people's websites. Like if you're not linking to an important piece of content from the homepage, it shows Google this doesn't matter as much. But you put a link on the homepage, all of a sudden Google's like, whoa, this is a really important piece of content. They see the authority kind of funnel through there. Yeah, internal links matter quite a bit. Um, I use a thing, um, people can Google this called content clusters. Uh, it works in a lot of cases, not in every case. Not It doesn't work as well with like e-commerce and stuff. Um, 
but a content cluster basically is just we have this pillar post in the middle that is just the most authoritative post. This would be like on something like affiliate marketing, just the ultimate guide to affiliate marketing. Great. Now around it, we have this uh, cluster content that links back and forth between the, the major posts. So affiliate marketing in the middle, but around the edge, it's uh, email marketing for affiliates and affiliate marketing for, I don't know, health websites, cats. affiliate marketing for cats. Sure. <laughs> All those different kind of things. Um, and that's kind of how I structure, but yeah, it matters quite a bit. It's one of the biggest opportunities for most people. All right. That's, that's awesome. And, um, if, do you have like a, a general guide or something on your site? If, if people want to dive into SEO, I guess you've got the hundred days of SEO going on right now. And a lot yeah, of this I could have. In- so the hundred days of SEO is very like, it's a hundred things. So it, that makes sense. Um, I had recently a 30 day challenge, uh, which was just, uh, you get these really great emails every single one per day, take action on it. And I, I was like, this is 30 days is the right thing to do. Um, but nobody was finishing it. Like nobody, mm-hmm. they were opening it, but everybody I got in touch with, like I only had two people of the, you know, almost a thousand people that went through it. And I said like, what are the results? And they're like, yeah, I finished. Here's, here's what I made. Cause you end with like a fully like, optimized, uh, something we haven't talked about yet, but that I'm really big on is search intent. Um, really like actually matching the intent of what people are Googling, not just a keyword or a topic, but like, what do they actually want when they get to the page? Um, you have this great like search intent piece of content or homepage with links pointing to it and all of this other stuff. And you can show that to me at the end, but not that many people are doing it. So I, I brought it down to five days and I was like, what if I can get give people 20% of the the stuff, but it'll get them 80% of the way there in just five days. Um, people can check that out. It's at a hundred days of SEO.com slash challenge. Um, nice. People can check that out. And, and I should mention as well that as always, the show notes for this episode will be at fizzleshow.co. And the episode number for this is 341. So go to fizzleshow.co slash 341 to get all the show notes, everything that we mentioned in here. Uh, Jen, what questions do we have next? Uh, We have a question in the chat box from Cecile. Uh, She says the new Google reviewer guidelines that came out in June, we have a YMWL, your money, your life. Uh, I've read the guidelines emphasizing EAT any additional suggestions? The doctor's healthcare site supporting nutritional health, uh, nutritional psychiatry. We emphasize evidence-based medicine and research. Many alternative medicine sites got hit. We're trying to not be one of them. And this is uh, this is a great example of how SEO quickly gets into alphabet soup. Oh my gosh, then, we got it. we went so deep in the weeds. It was like this is you're speaking my language, but I feel like there's other people that are like, uh, like I is just. <laughs> yeah, Brandon, can you unpack this a little bit for us, and and maybe just give us context overall on what happens when you get into SEO, or what happens when you're running a site online in general, and Google changes something. Is this something that we have to be worried about and, and how does it affect the average site? So I can tell you, play the long game. Google's only getting better, right? They can pretend they're about self-driving cars and cool like Google Glass and AI and everything. They kind of are about AI. But like really what they are is they're an advertising company, right? Like they make all of their revenue from Google ads. So they vehemently protect the quality of their search results. Like if you think about it, it's like a Kleenex Band-Aid like these are brand names, but it's what we actually call the item because they own it. Like we don't, nobody looks at each other and they're like, well, Google, or, you know, uh, look that up in an internet search. Nobody says they're going to go home and bing that. Like 
we Google things. Uh, they own so much mindshare. They mindshare. They are the verb, and they will fight tooth and nail to protect that. So, in the long run, I can tell you from doing SEO as long as I have, Google's getting better. It'll only continue to get better, but there will be hiccups, which is when they roll out a really big update. Their algorithm is so complicated at this point that they hire consultants because they're like, we changed this. We thought it would do this, but it's doing that. Why? Unintended consequences. 100%. And a lot of times that happens. They've even had some, you know, I haven't seen it since 2016. They did uh, when this update that we'll talk about here in a second, they released major updates like four months in a row. And I haven't seen them do that in a long time. And what that means is there's probably some like pulling back. They, they went too hard or too light or something happened they didn't want. So they kept doing major updates. Um, and I think while they said they were different focused, I noticed a lot of like fluctuations. Um, the, the YMYL, your money, your life, Google was really fearful that they were serving up search results based on people who had gamed the system too hard. And the things they were showing them, the things that were ranking well were not high quality. So one of the things uh, that was just mentioned is EAT, expertise, authority, and trust, where I'll give you a great example from Fizzle. I noticed when I Google myself, because I work in SEO and I'm also a vain person, so I do that sometimes. Um, I noticed that one of the things that was ranking really high for my name was my Fizzle author page. And I was like, that's weird. There's not a lot of, like, it's an authoritative domain, but it's just an author page with a link to an article I wrote. The article didn't rank for my name, just the author page. And I noticed my author page on Growth Lab and Search Engine Watch were all ranking. And I'm like, these author pages must be really important to Google, to seeing like what my expertise is, what my authority is. Um, so I think that's my first tip that's actually like an answer to this question is make sure your author pages, like everything's linked to somebody who actually has expertise and authority and make sure their author page is really built out. It shows all their accreditations. It shows where else they've been published. It has links to their social profiles, their personal website, all these things. The more you can show Google a billion internet connections, like picture like synapses in the brain all connecting between the rest of the internet and this author page on your website, they'll be like, all right, we see that person's clearly an authority. Um, as far as health websites getting hit, yeah, I mean, I know people uh, that work for uh, Dr. Axe and DrAxe.com got hit really hard. I've just, and they're not like coming back. Like I've seen a bunch of websites that just got crushed and some were really good, like really good scholarly stuff. Examine.com um, got hit hard, right? Say that again. I think examine.com was one that got hit really hard and they're a fantastic website. Yeah, that's the, so that's the big case study. There's a huge thread on Reddit about it. I know... Uh, my buddy Glenn Alsip was like really trying to like put out a bunch of free information of what he thought they could fix, uh, which I thought was cool to, for him to share all of that with the rest of us. Uh, the rest of us just plebes out here. Uh, and he's, he's just such a good, like he's Glenn knows his stuff. Um, but yeah, like they got hit really hard and they do like, they have citations and all these other things. And it's just like, ugh, you see stuff like that happen and the traffic's going somewhere. Um, it's been a question of like, if they're not ranking, what is now? Um, so yeah, there is some unintended consequences. And this is a hard question to answer because near as I can tell, like you have to just do the best practices and then wait it out. Um, the problem is a lot of people have built really big businesses. The, the engine behind these things is really large and they can't handle a six months being down, you know, right. 80% in traffic until Google's like, oh yeah, our bad. So. Yeah, and th and this is a this is a, a great example of why it's important to diversify your audience and make sure that you're not mm -hmm. relying 
80% on one source of traffic. It's also important to try to captivate your audience in a way or try to try to have a captive audience uh, via email and other ways that you can reach out to them directly as opposed to just relying on some third party like Google all the time. Is there something, um, if you had to give just brief general advice on staying on Google's good side, regardless of what happens, because people uh, get down in the weeds on things like this pretty quickly. And um, it's easy to become obsessed about following one particular rule or something. In general, is there something that sites should be doing to avoid running afoul of Google's rules? Yeah, I think a big thing, um, you know, bad stuff is the things that we used to do in SEO when it used to be a lot of like tools. You had uh, Backlink Genie was one, Article Marketing Robot, the best spinner when we used to spin up articles that were the same article, just like it turned it into like Mad Libs and you would change a couple words. Uh, I know Matt Giovanisi and I both did that back in the day. It was so sketchy. Um, but like really at this point, it's just create, you know, really I have this framework called the I am SEO framework. It's intent, asset, and medium. Um, look at the search intent. Like what are people actually searching for? What do they really want when they get there? Do they want you to empathize with them? Do they want you to share another resource with them? Not everything needs a lead magnet. Not everything needs an opt-in. Like you should just push people to another article that tells them more or whatever. Um, then look at the asset you're creating, like the the blog post, the video, et cetera. And then look at the medium you're you're doing it on. Like if it's your website, for me, uh, this could also apply to like Pinterest or YouTube, two other search engines. Make sure the medium is exactly what people expect. On YouTube, is it a really high quality video with good pacing? On your website, same thing. Like it's a really high quality website that's fast and has a good UX. Um, yeah, I think a, a big thing is just it, it will take time. It, SEO is one of those things that a lot of startups don't even really mess with too much because like they don't have the time. They're moving so fast. Their competitors come up so fast and are so well-funded. If you're waiting to get rankings and traffic and build this over time, somebody that's better funded can take a bigger market share just by focusing on paid advertising. And so the cool thing about SEO is it does, once you earn it, it tends to stay for a while. Um, sometimes in these more tumultuous industries or Google makes an update you can't control, but this is like anything else in life. Like, you know, people are like, well, these sites got hammered in Google. I'm like, cool. How is your 1% Facebook reach treating you? Like, how's that going? Eventually over time, like the, the reach on platforms, whether it's Google or Instagram or Facebook or whatever trends towards zero trends to the point where they're like, you have a huge audience here. Now we, we helped you build that. Now pay us. And yeah, pay us or, or we'll use that now. Yep. Um, I will say uh, one, one approach that I've seen work well for startups, if you have a product that has direct competitors, um, and this comes from Ruben Gamez, who's going to be on the show coming up here soon. Uh, something he does, you can see this over at docsketch.com, which is one of his sites. At the bottom, he has comparisons to each of the tools that are direct competitors. And it's simply, it, his in his case, it's a uh, signature app where you can get digital signatures. So HelloSign, DocuSign, those are uh, competitors of his. And so he has articles that say like DocuSign Alternative. And those work really well because there's not a lot of people writing that specific phrase. And uh, if somebody's typing that in, you know that they're probably a, a well-qualified customer. So that's the kind of thing where he's probably not doing a, a lot of link building or whatever, but there are so few articles 
on that sort of topic that it's naturally going to rank in Google. I would, I would totally agree with you, Corbett. The, the bottom of funnel keywords is where I would start. A lot of people start with like, I want to rank for this big topic and it's 21,000 searches a month. Like, what about the 60 people that, you know, the 60 searches per month uh, topic that when they get to your website, they instantly not only want to opt into your email list, but also just want to buy your stuff. Like they're already yeah. ready. Um, I know that when we uh, at Click were looking at uh, adding chat to our website, we looked at Drift and we looked at Intercom. And I looked at their two versus pages. Intercoms was very bland. It was just like, hey, here's what they do. Here's what we do. We're pretty much the same thing is the gist I got from it. But you look at Drift's, uh, they're like Intercom. It was called like Intercom Alternative before. Now it's Drift versus Intercom. Um, it is the most branded, like, oh, it is the most Drift page on their website. They just went over the top and I loved it. And I was like, oh, I'm such a fan of Drift ever since I started like looking into this um, for their marketing. But they just, yeah, they look at those bottom of funnel keywords. And I think Ruben's absolutely right to do that for sure. I know that when um, I got to consult, you know, we're all fans of Flywheel. Um, I got to do some consulting with them. I think we can talk about this. Uh, and that's one of the things before they were recently acquired. Um, we had, they were, was in the pipeline for them. They've noticed some like Kinsta started doing a lot of versus pages and stuff. And they're like, Hey, that's not, <laughs> that's mean. And then I was like, you guys should probably do those too. Um, so yeah, they are really valuable for sure. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of times you're just hoping that there's some information out there and if there's not third party, and by the way, the third party information that compares software is usually garbage, right? It's like, yeah. it's like somebody decided CMO that this that bad. Yeah. Like this is, this is something that somebody decided was a way to drive a bunch of traffic and it probably does. But once you land there, you're like, this is garbage. There's not, it's a checklist of crap from somebody who clearly didn't use both pieces of software. Yep. So when you do land on the company's page itself, granted it's biased information, but a lot of times it's so much richer because they actually know who the audience is and what the software is for. So I find myself reading those branded pages, comparing things quite a bit. Um, we have another question from Jen. I think we have time for one more. Jen, uh, you have another question that, that might be good for Brendan and the rest of us? I do. So this was a pre-submitted question from uh, Fizzler Vicky Velasquez. Uh, she runs vegetarianzen.com, Brendan. Uh, she has a Facebook group with almost 3,000 members in it, and she has a podcast with over 300 episodes, uh, just for some background. So this is her question. As a podcaster and content creator, I feel like I'm doing a great job of providing consistent quality content to our audience, but our numbers, uh, our downloads seem to be about the same. I've been working on SEO and content writing, which has increased traffic to our site, but I'm not really seeing this translate into more email subscribers or downloads. What are some ways I can promote the podcast and continue to grow our audience? I'm thinking social media might be a good way to do this, particularly Instagram, where people can find us via hashtags. Uh, Twitter is not big with our demographic, but Instagram and Pinterest are. Mm, okay. So I'm, I'm a different kind of marketer. I like really aspire to be... Like for instance, right now, like I've focused 100% on SEO, but I'm reading, uh, I don't have it right here else I would show it on the screen. I'm reading Breakthrough Advertising, uh, this mm -hmm. super amazing book. Eugene like, Schwartz. Yep, yep. Uh, I had some copy, my buddy Joel Kletke turned me onto it. He's business casual copywriting, one of the best conversion copywriters out there. He uh, turned me onto that. So I'm trying to learn copywriting. 
And then after I'm learning copywriting, I want to learn pay-per-click. I want to learn Google AdWords and then into Facebook and Instagram ads because I want to be able to own a whole channel, right? I want to be able to own like, you could plug me into your company and I can help you with all these things and make them work together. So looking at, hey, should we do like Instagram, uh, Pinterest, Facebook, but we have a podcast and we want Google traffic. For people starting out, uh, which it doesn't sound like this is where Vicky, right? Yep. So this does, Vicky, this doesn't sound like you, that's where you're at. You're not a beginner. Uh, if a beginner hears this and they're like, oh, there's, I don't want you to get overwhelmed. Just pick one of those things. Just get to 300 episodes of your podcast, right? Like the Fizzle Show. Get to 300 episodes and then worry about some of these other things a little bit more. But once you're there, once you have this like really good foundation of content, then it becomes like, how do we get that out? How do we market it? Um, I think the biggest thing right now to grow your, your podcast, I'm writing an article about this right now. I've not seen a lot of good examples. In fact, I've only seen one, uh, and it's from uh, Side Hustle School, Chris Gillibo's podcast, where show notes pages, most people do show notes for their podcast, which are tremendously helpful, really important for a podcast to have. But I've only seen a couple that rank independently for like unbranded keywords that are like really just huge traffic drivers and his do really, really well. So you can check his out for good models on them. But I think the number one way to grow a podcast is to take your podcast episodes, look at the search intent behind those searches. Like what do people actually want when they get to the website? Um, And then kind of reverse engineer that and create like more uh, definitive is maybe not the right word, but create something that really answers that search intent based on the episode. Cause I would love it if I got to a, if I Googled something and I was like, it wasn't super important for me to consume it right then, but it was like, just right at the top, quick call to action. Hey, we also have this in the form of a podcast episode. Click here to download it. I would download that episode like nine out of 10 times and I'll listen to it later in my podcast player when I have more time versus reading a 4,000 word blog post right then. Um, the best way to grow your podcast for people that don't know you have a podcast, like other than like going on other people's shows and then making sure your own product is great is to focus on SEO, but you can't just rely without looking at your stuff. I don't know what you're doing with SEO, but you can't just rely on like the classic show notes page of one or two paragraphs of information, a couple links, you know, uh, embedded player. It's what a lot of people do. And that just isn't, it doesn't cut it because it doesn't really match any sort of intent, right? unless somebody actually has the intent of looking for that show notes page. Um, so I would definitely start there. Your 300 episodes sounds like you could easily have some really good uh, written content. And then I think a lot of it, and maybe you're already doing this, uh, but if you have 3,000 members in the Facebook group, uh, spend as much time as you can engaging with them and create articles, create other things, create episodes and stuff based on the questions that they ask. Um, you, like I said, you're probably already doing that. And then from there, I would just choose one. I think if you're serious about SEO, like give it six months. I'm happy to answer more questions. Also for everything that we're talking about in here, people have follow-up questions. I'd love to talk in the Fizzle forum. So please definitely hit me up in there. Um, the, I would definitely just, whatever you're going to do, if you want to do Instagram or Pinterest or SEO, spend six months at least, like just focusing on that and then assess. Don't do it. Don't try to do all at once and then see which one's working. Um, I, they all work is the good news. They're all great ways to promote your podcast. The Just bad news one. is it's easy to do a mediocre job. That's not going to get traction on any of those platforms, especially when you're trying to do five of them at once. Right. hundred percent. 
Uh, all right. Well, uh, thanks to Jen and Joe for co-hosting with me today. And thanks to our guest, Brendan Hufford, for helping answering questions. Thanks, Brendan, for being here. Again, you can find notes, including links to everything that we talked about today over at fizzleshow.co slash 341. We'll be back next week with an in-depth conversation on Tuesday, followed by another member-focused Fizzle Friday Q&A episode on Friday. So until next time, thanks for listening to The Fizzle Show.